You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. To gain instant access to over 50 Attaboy Clarence shows, as well as Film Club invites, ebooks, movie commentaries, previews, and updates, go to www.patreon.com slash attaboysecret or click the link in the show notes. Oh my goodness, what a relief it is to be back in your arms. Welcome back to Attaboy Clarence. Sorry for the brief break there. I had to, you know, just go off and produce a six-hour audio biopic detailing the last few years of Val Luton's life and all that. Sort of turned into Howard Hughes along the way. My hair has grown back, not a joke. I'm skeletal now, and my limbs are all bowed from scurvy and lack of sunlight, and it's nearly Christmas. How long was I in there? Anyway, one thing's been a thumping away at my brain for the past month or so, and that is I can't wait to get back to some good old Attaboy Clarencing, because then I have an excuse to watch a movie or two and tell you fine folks all about them. So here we go. Ooh, incidentally, winter's closing in, and you know what? I'm absolutely freezing. If only there was some kind of way of keeping warm, reducing my heating bills by about, oh, I don't know, 25%, and achieving my dream of owning a 33-piece Libby's Safe Edge glassware set. Shut the door. You'll be glad this winter you bought a Coleman heater this fall. Yes, as you sit back in your easy chair, snug and comfortable... You'll be glad you bought a Coleman heater. Give me numerous reasons why I'll be glad. You'll enjoy floor-to-ceiling warmth in those rooms you could never heat before. Excellent. I always find it a little chilly when I'm lying on the ceiling. Get your Coleman oil or gas heater now during Coleman's big bonus sale. Here's what you get. Come on, Coleman's. Do me proud. 25% savings on my bills, please. And a 33-piece Libby's glassware set. Fingers crossed, everyone. Here we go. First bonus, a new low price. Yes, now you can get a dependable Coleman automatic heater at a new low price. I love that dependable is a selling point. Second bonus, a new low operating cost. Coleman saves you up to 25% on heating bills. Boom. Because Coleman gives you maximum heat from your fuel. Third bonus. Come on, Coleman's. Kick in with that sweet convincer. A 33-piece Libby set of glassware. A 32-piece set of Libby's Safe-Edge glassware worth $14. Ah, 32-piece. So close. I was walking along, minding my business, when out of an orange-colored sky, flash, bang, alakazam, wonderful you came by. I was humming a tune, drinking in sunshine, what out of that orange-colored view. Flash, bang, alakazam, I gotta look at you. One look and I yell, timber, watch out for flying glass. 
Cause the ceiling fell in, the bottom fell out. I went into a spin, I started to shout, I've been hit. This is it, this is it, I T I was walking along, minding my business, when love came and hit me in the eye. Flash, bam, Alakazam, out of an orange colored sky. Perfect. That was Nat King Cole with Orange Colored Sky. Anyway, on to a movie. Pounds tight up my feet. Towns bright up by wheat. And something else that sounds right up my street is 1946's Shock. What is it? What's wrong with her, Doctor? I'm not sure. I think she's suffering from some sort of shock. I'll be frank with you, Lieutenant. This is a little outside my line. But there must be something you can do for her. We ought to call in a nerve specialist, a psychiatrist. Can you suggest one? There's a very good man in the hotel, Dr. Cross. If we're lucky, we might find him in. Love the concept of this thing. Check this out. Vincent Price stars as a psychiatrist, Dr. Richard Cross. Cross by name and cross by nature, in fact. Yes, old Rich is mad with his wife because she won't give him a divorce. So he does a very Vincent Price thing and beats her to death with a silver candlestick. I've decided to ask you for a divorce. A divorce? Well? <laughs> Why should I divorce you? Oh, please, Margaret, let's be sensible. Whatever we had for one another is gone. We've been afraid to admit it before, but it's true. Elaine and I, well, I love her. You never loved anyone but yourself. Please, Margaret. I was good enough for you once, but now you want someone younger. It's not that way at all. It's just that I... I can't go on with you any longer. All right, Richard. You can have your divorce. You're right. We are strangers. But I have some pride, and no one's going to think you've cast Please, me off like... Please, Margaret. You want your precious Elaine, and you can have her. But people are going to know the truth. I'll start right in by telling the room clerk you've been entertaining your girlfriend in our apartment. Then I'll call the newspapers. Careful, cautious Richard. Destroying everything he is for the sake of a cheap... Get away from that you phone, Margaret. You ask for Margaret. him, you're going to get it. Leave that phone I'll enjoy alone, telling Margaret. your friend... Leave that you phone alone. Have been up to... I hate you. Problem is that watching from a neighboring hotel window is Janet Stewart played by Annabelle Shaw, who's so traumatized by the sight of old Vince staving his wife's head in with a decorative ornament that she goes into... Shock! Were you here when it happened? 
I just got in a few minutes ago. When I opened the door, she was sitting on the divan. Her eyes were wide open. She was staring at, at nothing. Did you notice anything peculiar about her actions when you saw her last? I've been a prisoner of war for two years. I've just come home. So, of course, the doctor called in to consult on the case is Dr. Richard Cross, who gets even more cross when he realizes that if he cures the patient who's in shock, shock me. then it'll lead to him being arrested for murder. Shock! No, no one knows. We're safe. You're forgetting Janet Stewart, aren't you? She knows. What if she talks? I haven't forgotten her. She can't tell what she's seen as long as she's in this condition, can she? Shock will wear off in a couple of weeks at the most. It'll wear off if you let it, Dick. It's a great idea for a movie, and it's a deliciously dark little delight to watch Vincent Price in a role like this, especially as he's not your usual Vincent Price diabolical madman type. Oh, no, no, no. You see, Dr. Cross is actually guilt-ridden about murdering his wife and even more guilt-ridden about what he'll have to do in order to stay at liberty. There's a very brief scene in which he looks at a picture of the wife he's murdered and remembers the happier moments. And it's genuinely moving. He's so good in this. There's no moustache twirling or thumb twiddling or any other kind of finger-based activity beginning with T. He plays a really multi-dimensional baddie for once. I like the fact that it doesn't outstay its welcome. It's one and done in 70 minutes flat. I like the fact that the ending took me completely by surprise. I like the look of the film, and I was ultra-gripped by the mounting tension. Most of all, I was just very pleasantly surprised by a film I'd never heard of that was completely unpretentious and which I'll definitely be revisiting. Very surprised. In fact, you could say that I was... astounded. Maybe you have a question. Well, throw it into the question pot. Strangely, there is no next line. Well, maybe I'll read your question out on the show, or maybe not. Now, here's someone with a handbell. In we go to the question pot, then, which has been rapidly filled to bursting by you fine people over the past weeks. First question comes from Victoria Gerard, who writes... I have a tiny request of you. My dog, Oxo, has been very unwell since the summer. We finally got a diagnosis of hypergesia, which basically means she's got the canine version of fibromyalgia. Good heavens, Victoria, how awful. Anyway, she's doing much better, but she'd love a shout-out from Suki, the best dog in podcasting in the next Attaboy Clarence. Best wishes to you and all your family, Vicky Gerard. Well, Suki, what do you think about that? I'm very sorry to hear about Oxo being poorly and everything. Poor old dog. Get well soon, Oxo. Yes, all our best wishes to you, Oxo, and to the family. In fact, I think now would be an appropriate time to sing Oxo a song. Do you? Yes, I think Oxo would very much appreciate the sound of my singing at a time like this. I'm sure you're right. Music, please. How much is that doggy in the window? Oh my god. The one with the waggly tail and the beautiful eyes. How much is that doggy in the living room window? It's not a shop. I do hope that doggy's not for sale as she belongs to a family that adores everything she does, even when she lays dog's eggs on their carpet. 
how much is that jockey in the window? I wish she could marry a human. Suki, I, I think we better stop. Because she is so loved by her master. And because she is sorry for having scratched the sofa that meant so much to the whole family and which is now a huge reminder of her inability to control herself. Get well soon, Oxo! Yes, get well soon, Oxo. And all our love to the Gerard family. Yes, and I'll be over here pretending I'm no trouble at all. You do that. On to our next email. This is from Casey and Ruby Pirto. They write... I am still a huge fan of your podcasts, The Secret History of Hollywood and Attaboy Clarence. When you read my last email out, it made me so happy, so belated. Thank you. Casey's the lady who sent in the picture of serial killer Peter Curtin's dismembered head, if you remember. I must admit I'm having trouble forgetting that image. Anyway, lovely to hear from you. Casey writes, I've recently expanded my family with a new baby. Meet Ruby. We visited Okonomowoc. We visited Okonomowoc. We visited Okono. We visited Wisconsin, where the Wizard of Oz premiered. So this is Ruby with the Witch. My question to you is: What classic films did you share with your children when they were young? I distinctly remember loving Arsenic and Old Lace when I was very young, but watching it now, I'm not sure why my parents thought it was a good story for a toddler. Keep up with all the brilliant work. I also do wish you narrated audiobooks, as you have the best voice. Take care, Casey and Ruby. Well, thank you, Casey. And included was a lovely picture of baby Ruby with the witch. Ruby, it's so nice to meet you, too. I do hope your parents are doing as fabulous a job of raising you to love classic movies as they are pictorially documenting the remaining body parts of the insane. (laughs) I'm kidding, of course, Casey. Thank you so much for writing to me again. It's lovely to hear from you. And Ruby is very beautiful indeed. My best wishes to all you Pirtos, and how fantastic it is to see you embracing the history of movies as part of your family's education. To answer your question, my family's favorite classic movie when they were young was by far Gulliver's Travels from 1939. We watched the hell out of that thing. I watched it like crazy when I was young, too, so it has particular resonance for me. I think of all the Golden Age entertainments, though, Laurel and Hardy are the guys who've remained a family favourite. Honestly, not kidding. To this day, we watch about five or six Laurel and Hardy movies a week here. They never get old. Our favourites are Big Business, Them Nar Hills, and Tit for Tat. All love to you, Pirtos. And Ruby, here is your very first Canterbury. Canterbury. Next up, a question from Bond. Gary Bond. Bond writes, Dear Adam, Awesome, somehow my question has made its way out of the question pot and into your fine hand. Oh, Gary, this hand could tell you some tales. As it is now the time of too late for Halloween and too early for Christmas, can you recommend any anti-Christmas films from way back when? Just want to get my bar humbugs out now in its too early period before the allowed allotted jollification period of December. Thanks, Gary. Gary, no, I can't. Not at all. You see, Christmas is my favourite time of the year because I'm unashamedly sentimental. And if any kind of movie ever threw shade at it, I would kick it to the curb, I would. Seriously, my dude, embrace the tinsel and the candy and the lights and the warmth in your heart. Get the snow spray out, put your tree up, wear a stupid sweater and join me, why don't you? 
to make you feel even more goodwill, here's the Brighton Strangler himself with a Christmas message. For yourself and your family, a very happy Christmas. On to our final email this week, and this is from Ian Fryer. Ian sat down at his typewriter and poured forth this query. As background, yesterday while I was writing, I put on my DVD of Errol Flynn and Anna Neagle in King's Rhapsody from 1955. It struck me how much time I've spent watching Hollywood legends in productions made outside of America, all the way from a high-end production such as Bogart and Hepburn in The African Queen, a British production made on location in Africa, to Alan Ladd clearly not having a clue what's going on around him in the Italian sword and sandal mini-epic Duel of Champions. King's Rhapsody, if you haven't seen it, is absolutely terrible. That is music to my ears, Ian Fryer. Ian continues, I wondered if you had any favourites among these fish-out-of-water productions. Personally, I love Brian Don Levy in The Quatermass Experiment and the tragic Barbara Payton in The Flanagan Boy, both 1950s Hammer productions. Well, Ian, I am very partial to the Betty Davis thriller Another Man's Poison, in which she starred with some British greats, including Emlyn Williams. And while it doesn't actually fit your criteria 100%, I also love that Humphrey Bogart took time out from playing hard-boiled tough guy types in order to play a serial killer in The Two Mrs. Carols and a vampire in The Return of Dr. X. I think, though, that perhaps my favourite fish-out-of-water star, that is to say a star who left Hollywood and took a defining role in another country's brand of cinema altogether has to be Louise Brooks in G.W. Pabst's Pandora's Box. I mean, to go from being a Hollywood siren and then to perhaps her career-defining role in one of the most brilliant melodramas of the 1920s took some bravery. If you haven't seen Louise Brooks in Pandora's Box, you really need to make a firm promise to yourself that you will. Her performance is life-changing. Thank you for the question, Ian. It, of course, deserves one of these. Canterbury. And remember, if you have a question, go to attaboyclarence.com, scroll down the homepage, and launch that thing into the question pot. I thank you. So throw your flipping questions into the shiny question pot. You might hear your question next time. So until then, get your thinking cap on for the question pot. Okay, that's the end. Hey, what's the most romantic song? you could ever hope to sing to a girl. I always thought you had a beard Like seaweed, long and wet Not since I got acquainted with These blue blades I to let All you ladies out there swooning right now I've outlawed whiskers in my court Behold, my cruel shade slick No other blade can whisk them off the guy singing this lives with his mum. Perfection. Lay that pistol down, babe, lay that pistol down. Pistol packin' mama, lay that pistol down. Oh, drinking beer in a cabaret, was I having fun? Until one night she caught me right, now I'm on the run. Oh, lay that pistol down, babe, lay that pistol down. 
pistol packing mama lay that pistol down I see you every night, being and I'll woo you every day. I'll be your regular mama, and I'll put that gun away. Oh, lay that pistol down, babe. Lay that pistol down. Pistol packing mama. Lay the thing down before it goes off and hurts somebody. Oh, she kicked out my windshield, and she hit me over the head. She cussed and cried and said I'd lied and she wished that I was dead. Oh, lay that pistol down, babe, lay that pistol down. Pistol packing, mama, lay that pistol down with three tough gals. From deep down Texas way, we got no pals. They don't like the way we play. We're a rough rootin', tootin', shootin' trio, but you're to see my sister Cleo. She's a terror, make no error, but there ain't no lassie fair. Here's what we tell her. Lay that pistol down, babe, lay that pistol down. Pistol baggin' mama, lay that pistol down. Crosby with the Andrews sisters and Pistol Packin' Mama. Superb. On to the second film offering for you today, a Fritz Lang take on the Bluebeard story, which again sounds like the perfect concoction for old Adam. Love a fairy tale. Love a thriller. Love Michael Redgrave, Joan Bennett, and I love Paul Kavanagh. I also love an Alfred Hitchcock's Rebecca ripoff. Love a duck. But will this film and I enjoy a love affair? or a 50-yard stare. Why don't you listen to a clip of 1947's Secret Beyond the Door while I try to think of more clever things to say? Nope, I've peeked. Mark has a hobby. He collects rooms like some people collect butterflies. He has a theory... that under certain conditions, a room can influence or even determine the actions of the people living in it. Now, the first room that you're about to see is the Salon of the Comtesse de Brumanoir. It was sealed by her husband on the morning of August 25th. 1572. I first heard of it in Paris nine years ago. It started my collection. It must have cost considerable to copy a room like this. It isn't a copy. These are the original rooms, down to the last detail, as much as possible. I bet there's a love story. Not exactly. So the story here is of blushing bride Celia Lamphere 
played by Joan Bennett, whose new husband, brooding architect Mark Lanfear, played by Michael Redgrave, has moved her to his stately family home, where resides a sinister servant, a weird child, and a collection of murder rooms, which Mark has painstakingly transferred brick by brick to his residence, and which he likes to show off to the public. It was the eve of St. Bartholomew's Day. The Guise family, to which the Count belonged, had planned, you will recall, to murder all the Huguenots in Paris. The Count was a religious bigot. When he discovered that his beloved wife, Celeste, was secretly a Huguenot, she was nothing to him anymore. A thing without a soul. She was lying on the chaise longue, reading, when he came in. Did he poison her? Why? Oh, you mean the glass? No, no, that was wine. But if you notice the handkerchief on the couch, there's a little blood. There was a rapier thrust. All that is except for room number seven, which is locked, and which Mark refuses to exhibit. But why? Mark, what's in the seventh room? It will never be shown to anyone. Not even to you. Oh, Mark, what do you mean by never? By what I mean? I'm not just curious, darling. I don't mean to pry. I want to understand you, remember? I have to live my own life. Since I was a child, I've been hemmed in by women wanting to live it for me. Caroline, Eleanor, now you too. No thanks. Mark, surely there can't be anything in the room worth quarreling about. I don't want to discuss it. The room is locked and stays locked. Intriguing premise and certainly influenced by some of the bigger psychological hits of the decade. I mean, it's practically a carbon copy of Rebecca, even down to its climactic inferno. But you also have a lot of Hitchcock's suspicion here, too, in that you have a wife becoming slowly convinced that her new groom is going to murder her. There's even a whole subplot around a key. That's a direct lift from Notorious. If you like that kind of gothic mystery thriller, then it's certainly a decent attempt. And Fritz Lang always seemed to at least make something interesting when he filmed a thriller. I'm a huge fan of The Woman in the Window, as you know, but strangely, Lang seems to fall somewhat short when it comes to matching that particular story for tension here. The problem seems to be that he makes a lot of weird artistic choices. The main one that seems to fail hard is the narration. My mind was on a treadmill. Why had he lied? Why had he gone? Why had he lied? Why had he gone? Because I locked the door. He said he hadn't come up, but he had. I knew it was Mark who tried the door. I knew it all the time. Surely my childish prank couldn't have changed his love for me. So why had he gone? Why had he lied? Why had he gone? Why had he lied? Joan Bennett narrates the hell out of this thing. I mean, it gets so much that at several points, you wish she'd developed laryngitis and just shut up. And I dreamed. I heard the car coming back. It came closer and closer and stopped in front of the hacienda. Mark was in it. He'd come back. But I wasn't glad. I was afraid. When you have someone constantly narrating and telling you how you should be thinking about any kind of film, you lose all nuance. I mean, seriously, we don't need to know every single thought running through your head when you're walking down a dark corridor. Far more suspenseful if you simply let the shadows do the work. 
and we know that she's unhappy in her new marriage because of her husband's behavior. You don't need to constantly blather on about how you feel from one moment to the next. Take a leaf out of Val Luton's playbook and give your audience a little bit of credit. It's not all bad. The performances are pretty great all around, especially from Mark Dennis as the creepiest son ever. And Barbara O'Neill is very good as the creepy secretary who goes full lunatic towards the end. And I have to say, when the door to room number seven finally creaks open, I was on the chilly end of a few tingles of the old spine. And also, when it goes into full-on horror mode in the last 20 minutes, it's remarkably effective. So as a thriller, it does do what it says on the tin. The problem is that it tells instead of showing far too often. And if you're any kind of classic movie fan, you'll constantly be reminded of better movies. Still... Secret Beyond the Door is definitely a cut above some of the other thrillers of the 40s, so if, like me, you love a gothic mystery thriller with Hitchcock overtones, then give it a whirl. Last movie for today is one of those deliciously undefinable melodramas that begins as a very involving comedic love story between meek, small-town gentleman Harry, played by George Sanders, and glamorous visiting fashion designer Deborah played by Ella Raines. But there's a third wheel in this burgeoning love affair, and that's Harry's possessive hypochondriac sister, Lottie, played by Geraldine Fitzgerald. Two women go to war over the man in their lives in Robert Siodmak's 1945 movie, The Strange Affair of Uncle Harry. It's late. It's almost ten. And you call that late? Why, in New York, life is just beginning. The barman at 21 is opening his second bottle of Kimmel. The dance band at the Rainbow Room is unpacking its instruments. And the last taxi driver has just avoided picking you up. And you say it's late. Well, <laughs> I'm afraid I can't offer you very much in the way of nightlife in this town. Not even the George Washington house you mentioned? Not this late. Even ghosts turn in early in Corinth. So the story begins as your standard romantic comedy. Yes, it's heavy on wit and charm, and the love story between Harry and Deborah is very well played. But the shadows are there at the edges of the screen. Lottie, Harry's domineering sister, fearing that she's about to lose her brother to this big city vamp, suddenly becomes sick whenever their big day arrives, can't seem to find the right house to move into, and generally throws a spanner in the works whenever she can. Now, please don't think I intend anything personal by this. The people here are set in their ways and rather narrow-minded, and a newcomer among us has to be especially careful. Now, don't think that this is my point of view, but people do talk. And if, for instance, Harry were to be observed leaving your hotel late at night, it might be misinterpreted, mightn't it? Yes, I suppose it might. Well, then, that's settled. I'm so glad we had this little talk. You're such a sensible girl. I'm sure we're going to be very good friends now that we understand each other. We understand each other. But if Harry wishes to stop by my hotel at any time, I'll always be glad to see him. Ultimately, Harry is forced to choose between his sister and his heart. But once the choice is made, certain information reaches him that changes everything. In fact, Harry is suddenly overcome by an intense desire to snuff out the very thing in life that's been holding him back. And all of a sudden, we're not in rom-com town anymore. In fact, we're in a very, very dark place indeed. I was not expecting 
this movie, and that's why I've been haunted by it ever since. What an utterly fantastic film. And it's made all the more powerful by the fact that I knew nothing about it going in. And so I'll do you the same favor and tell you nothing about the last third of the film, which at times caused my jaw to hit the floor. I love that George Sanders plays the lead here. He's so wonderful as the mild-mannered Harry, a role that you'd never have cast him in in a thousand years, but which he performs splendidly. Ella Raines, one of my all-time crushes, only increases the adoration I have for her by turning in a performance that's tomboyishly sexy and whip-smart. Her character, Deborah, is that gal who goes after what she wants, and she isn't afraid to do battle for it. She's amazing. But the film belongs entirely to Geraldine Fitzgerald, who is stunning as the spidery, overwrought sister, hell-bent on keeping her brother all to herself. There's definitely an incestuous overtone to her obsession, and she plays it horrifyingly. Her performance in her final scene is quite simply breathtaking. There is a problem with it, and it's a problem that seems to have wrangled quite a few reviewers over the years from what I've read. The ending. Now, this was based on a play called Uncle Harry, which shocked Broadway when it ran. This was no doubt due to its particularly dark ending. Joan Harrison, one of the foremost female producers during the Golden Age and a former Hitchcock protégé, was entranced enough by it to fight for an adaptation, but as they were finishing production, she was told by the Universal Office that the Hayes Office were having far too many problems with the ending and so had ordered a new one. The ending that the film went with is divisive, to say the least. It's quite obviously been tacked on. It's jarring and discordant. And while it does provide a little relief for the viewer, you will be left with the feeling that it should have ended a minute or two beforehand. In fact, Joan Harrison was so incensed by the tacked-on ending that she quit Universal over it. Universal were delighted with it, though, and the film has a specially created title card before the credits roll that reads, In order that your friends may enjoy this picture, please do not disclose the ending. Personally, I'm sort of glad that it ends the way it does, but it is rather clumsily handled. Go and watch the enthralling The Strange Affair of Uncle Harry and you'll see for yourself. It's a wonderful, wonderful film. For your radio entertainment this week, I have an adaptation of that story for you. But this is a straight adaptation of the original play and so retains the much darker more thought-provoking ending that shocked theatre-goers. So really, it doesn't spoil the movie, as the movie has a totally different ending. Anyway, prepare to have your blood chilled in this NBC Best Plays show and starring the original star of the Broadway version, the great Mr. Joseph Schildkraut, and starring with him perhaps the greatest radio actress of all time, the great Agnes Moorhead. You really are in for a treat with this one. See you afterwards. From New York, where the American stage begins, NBC presents Best Plays with John Chapman. Best Plays. A series of hour-length dramas based on famous theatrical books begun by the late Burns Mantle. 
Now edited by the distinguished drama critic of the New York Daily News, John Chapman. Now, speaking in New York, Mr. Chapman. Our play this evening, Uncle Harry, was one of Broadway's best plays ten years ago. The title might suggest that it's a nice, pleasant family comedy about a jolly old uncle whom everybody loves, but the facts are different. Our Uncle Harry hates being called uncle and is far from jolly. In fact, he's a... Well, I mustn't get ahead of the story. You'll find out. Back in the season of 41 and 42, we had two extraordinary and skillful thrillers. Patrick Hamilton's Angel Street, which was played recently on this radio series, and Thomas Job's Uncle Harry. Thomas Job was born in Wales, went to school with another playwriting Welshman, John Van Druten, and came to this country in 1925 to teach English in a Minnesota college. This college made him head of the drama department, and he began writing plays so that his students would have something to produce and act. Later, he taught playwriting at Carnegie Tech. His first Broadway success was Barchester Towers, and then came Uncle Harry. For our performance now, we have in the title role Joseph Schildkraut, who starred in the original Broadway production. Starring with him this evening is Agnes Moorhead, who recently has been touring the country with Charles Lawton, Charles Boyer, and Cedric Hardwick in Shaw's Don Juan and Hell. Since Mr. Schildkraut and Miss Moorhead are in Hollywood, We'll take you out there for the performance, and I'll sit here in New York and listen. The opening scene is the back corner of the tavern bar in a small Canadian town. The time is somewhere around the early 1900s. Malden Bitter. Thank you. There you are. Thank you, Mr. Jenkins. Now to the firm is Up Jenkins. It's just a little joke we have. <laughs> up and coming, eh? Doesn't take you long to catch on, sir. Yes, you've got to be up and coming these days. Otherwise, where are you? In the soup. Right. It's the same in everything. Politics, business, even murder. You've got to act quick and thoughtful, or you're in trouble. Now, you take this Tompkins fellow in the newspaper here. Murdering his wife that way. Oh, yeah, she went wrong there. Oh, no, no. It was disposing of the body. That's where he went wrong. He hesitated about the head. Result? Here. Prisoner pays the supreme penalty. Yes, hang by the neck. Not up and coming, huh? <laughs> Hanged, eh? A big pardon? Hanged, I said. This Tompkins fellow, you must be satisfied. Murderers must be hanged to be satisfied, sir. You see, murderers, like artists, must be hung to be appreciated. Well, I don't agree with you, sir. A murderer owes it to himself to lie low. Yes, yes, and that's the paradox of it. It's really very, very sad, you see, because murder is a beautiful art. Why? That is, if you look at it properly. <laughs> uh, tell me, sir, did you ever read about the Quincy case? Quincy, Quincy. A few years ago, wasn't it? That's right. Settled just like that, if I remember. <laughs> so they say, but they're wrong, very wrong. You don't say. Would you care to hear the real story? Do you know it? Oh, yes. 
better than anyone. As a matter of fact, Harry Quincy lived right here in this town, you know. Oh? Yes, with his two sisters, Letty and Hester, unmarried, all of them. The parents died and left them a legacy. Not much, you understand, but enough to keep them in comfort if they lived together. Now, note that, sir. Please note that. If they lived together. Makes for a bit of a situation, eh? <laughs> Precisely. Oh, uh, Albert. Uh, yes, sir? Another mild and bitter for this gentleman, please. Oh, uh, yes, sir. Hmm. I say, the uh, bartender seems a bit frightened of you. Naturally. Why naturally? <laughs> because I'm the murderer. What? Oh, don't be alarmed. Don't be alarmed, sir. I'm quite harmless. Oh, why are they letting you run around loose? Ah, because of the cunning ways of God. I am trying to circumvent them, sir, through you and through thoughtful men like you. Oh, I tell lots and lots of people. What are you trying to get out of it? I want the world to know me for what I am. And then perhaps, perhaps Letty will let me be. Letty? Don't be impatient, sir. Please don't be impatient. I'll explain it all. Just follow my story closely and you will see how success, like a curse, has a curious way of coming home to roost. Well, it all began one afternoon at our house. My sisters were serving tea. And... More tea, Lucy, dear. No, thank you, Hester. Show my sister your ring, Lucy. Did you see it, Letty? Three rubies. I saw it. They're small, but there are three of them. It's such a lovely setting, too. Don't you think so, sister? Makes the stones look so much bigger. Uh, how old is your fiancé, Lucy? Thirty-eight. He's a widower. Any children? Not yet. Oh, you are a caution, Lucy. I imagine what a surprise this will be to Brother Harry. You don't know how much it bothered Harry when he had to break off his engagement to you, Lucy. Well, I I'm glad to take a load off his conscience. I said to Harry at the time, if that girl doesn't sue you for breach of promise, Harry, she's a saint, that's all. If I'd sued anyone, Letty, it would not have been Harry. Oh, I know what you're thinking, Lucy, that it was Hester and I who influenced Harry to break off, but I assure you it was all between you and Harry. Well, anyway, I suppose you're glad you waited now that you found Mr... Uh, Mr... Waddy. George Waddy. Uh, oh, yes. Waddy. <laughs> <laughs> well, after all, home's the best place for Harry. Yes, that's what you said at the time. Did I? Uh, well, doesn't that show you now? Yes. It showed me at the time, too. Oughtn't we to serve Hester? Without Harry? Well, the tea's almost cold. Besides, I'm sure Lucy has to run. Oh, that must be Harry now. I'll let him in. It's my turn to greet you. Oh, Hester. Well, here I am at last. Oof, it's rain. You, you forgot to wear your galoshes. Oh? oh, so I did. Oh, well, never mind now. We've a visitor, a oh, surprise. Really? Who is it? Come in and see. All right. You've got me all excited now. You... Hello, Lucy. Hello, Harry. Well... After all these years... Three, four in March. I've missed you, Lucy. Oh, catch me believing that. No, no, that. honestly, honestly, I did. There's another surprise. Tell him, Lucy. By all means. Well, I hardly know how to She's start. engaged. Hey. Engaged? To Mr. George Waddy, engineer. Show him your ring, dear. Oh, it isn't much of a ring. Three rubies. Did you notice, Harry? Yes, yes, I... I noticed. It's very lovely. 
Did you come to tell me that, Lucy? I just wanted you to know. Thank you. Very nice of you. Uh, excuse me, please. I, I'm going upstairs to my room but for a minute. But tea's almost ready, Harry, and just a... Well, it turned pale. Did you see, Letty? You just imagined it. He went up to change his wet shoes. Oh, perhaps I shouldn't stay to tea. I'm to meet George at 5.30. Nonsense, Lucy. I've baked one of Malaya cakes. And Letty has a pie in the oven. We'll celebrate. Well, perhaps a bite. Fine. Nona, Nona! Yes, Miss Esther? Well, Miss Lucy, this is a surprise. Hello, Nona. Never expected to see you in this house again, Miss Lucy. Nice to have you back. Bring in the cake, Nona, and take Miss Letty's pie out of the oven. It isn't finished yet. Another three minutes. If you're going to rely on that silly... I don't rely on anything. You just want it to be soggy. I was merely trying to help. In or out. Leave it in for another three minutes. <laughs> yes, Miss Letty. Well, here's Harry coming down again. Harry, why did you put on that old tweed suit? Oh, I thought I'd like a change. That suit's much too young for you. It doesn't fit. Well, I put on a pound or two since oh, then. Besides, it smells of mothballs. Letty. Miss Letty, you better come look at this pie before it burns. You see? It will not burn. Come along and I'll show you. <laughs> I imagine Harry and Lucy have some things to say to each other anyway. You would think I'd never say did you come to gloat, Lucy? Only to clear the air, Harry. Thank you for wanting to do that. I'd like to be friends. Oh, all is forgiven, eh? Yes. You don't have anything to forgive me for. Don't I? No, you know I wanted to marry you. Oh, but not enough to give up Hester and Letty. And all these years I've thought oh, that so I have... have I. Thank God it's over. Yes. Time is a great healer, eh? So is another man. So you did come to gloat after all. Jealous? Well, what do you think? Do you blame me? Lucy. Harry. Harry, what are you trying to do? I'm trying to make you remember. Harry, Lucy. please. Lucy. Harry. Lucy. Oh, Harry. Not so easy to forget, is it, Lucy? No. Lucy, darling. See, the stupid coming out through the brown. See, take it out. No, I won't. You must wait for the first one. Oh. What can I be so stupid? It's going to be. In my pie or yours. The dark sisters, they go on and on like that all the time. Harry. Yes? If it weren't for Hester and Letty, yes. perhaps... Oh, nothing. What do you mean, perhaps? Would you, would you come back to me if it weren't for those two? Would there be any you to come back to? It would be the same all over again. Oh, no, Lucy, not this time. No. You've been spoiled too much living with two older sisters. I don't believe you could live as a man ought to. You're too used to being smothered. But if I could, Lucy, if I... Don't torture yourself, Harry. Letty and Hester are eternal. Well, they're my sisters, not my keepers. Aren't you know. they? Why do you suppose they've nicknamed you Uncle Harry? They don't even admit to themselves that you're their brother. You're the only man in their lives, and they're as jealous of each other as two thieves. Lucy... You still haven't answered my question. If it weren't for Hester and Letty, would you... Would you marry me? I mean, George or no George? I mean, would you... Would you, Lucy? That, Uncle Harry, is a leading question. That's all I wanted to know, Lucy. Well, the pie is finished now. We can all sit down and eat. Lucy, you look all hot and bothered. Has Harry been teasing you? He's an awful tease. <laughs> yes, isn't he? <laughs> Have a piece of my layer cake, Harry. You'd better not, dear. You know your digestion. It won't hurt him a bit. 
disappeared. Just a little piece, Harry. Thank Lucy, you. dear, you haven't told us all the gossip about Mr. Waddy. She was just beginning to tell us when you came in, Harry. I see. Well, he came here on construction work, the new bridge at Torrance. I told you he was an engineer, didn't I? Oh. Well, it just moved like lightning. What? The bridge? The engagement. He took me home a few times in his automobile. Next thing I knew, I was telling him that if he was going to behave like that, he'd better ask father. That's all there was to it. <laughs> These lightning wars aren't very imaginative, are they, Lucy? George just doesn't sit around being nice. He gets things done. That's one I knew, Harry. <laughs> Tell me, are you fond of him? Yes, I am. As fond as you were of me? Well, you were a first love, Harry. And what is George? George is more settled. He wants a home and a family. Oh, oh, a family. Well, no lady is complete without a few babies, you know. Yes, uh, I suppose George is very eager for babies. Why oh, shouldn't he be? Yes. There, now. No, now, what in the world are you doing bringing that dog in here? Well, he wanted to come in and say hello to the visitor. Oh, it's poor old Weary Willie. Harry, I didn't know your dog was still alive. There, there, old friend. There, there. How are the poor ears today? Hey, don't touch him. He's infested. Oh, poor old fellow. Yeah. You're getting so old, your head waggles all the time. No, no, get him out of here. He's doing no harm. Oh, isn't he dying on his feet and us in the middle of our tea? Well, it's not his fault if he's old and feeble, Lady. Oh, he smells. Take him back in the kitchen, Nona. Go yes, Miss Lady. Oh. Oh. Thank oh. heaven. Well, let's cut my pie now, shall we? Yes. Mmm. Oh, this smells good, Letty. It may be a bit soggy. Letty wasn't sure about the time. It will not be soggy. Lucy. Thank you. Harry. Thank you. I won't let you eat it, Harry. It's canned gooseberries. How dare you take his plate? You never consider his health. Don't be childish. You're just jealous. He hardly touched your plate. He enjoyed my father. Ladies, 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 please. Please. All right. I'll compromise. I'll take a mouthful of Letty's pie and a little mouthful of Hester's cake, all right? Now, who can that be? Oh, dear, that, that must be George. I asked him to stop by if I hadn't gone by 5.30. Uh, I'll answer it. Mr. Waddy, come in here. Yes? Oh, it's rain. Ah, let's see. Uh, you'd be Uncle Harry. My name is Harry Quincy. Then you are Uncle Harry. She's told me about you. I'm George. George Waddy. Oh. Oh, uh, please come into the living room, Mr. Waddy. Oh, thank you. Oh, uh, Lucy, Mr. Waddy's here. Oh, darling, how nice of you to come. I hope I'm not intruding, but we did have a 5.30 date. Uh, let's have a kiss for George, huh? <laughs> there. <laughs> oh, he's so possessive. <laughs> Mr. Waddy, may I present my sisters? This is Hester and this is Letty. How do you do? How do you do? I've heard so much about you all from Lucy. Especially about Uncle Harry here. Yes, I, I was afraid of that. Well, on the contrary, I owe you a great deal. <laughs> well, I'm very glad to meet the better man. Oh, won't you have some tea, Mr. Waddy? I'd like to, but afraid I can't. Little girl here and myself have a busy schedule. George is taking me shopping for a trousseau. Just something simple, of course. I'll bet it will be. When is the big event, Mr. Waddy? It'll be soon. Make no mistake about that, Lucy. George believes in getting things done. Yes, I do. And we'd better get your things and be off. Oh, oh! before you go, Lucy, here's a little package of something that I'd like you to have. Well, uh, very nice of you. 
What is it? I tell you, but George would be furious. Me? Furious? Why? Not really furious, just in a nice sort of way. Oh, uh, Letty, what is in that package? Oh, no, 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 Harry. Let her open it privately. Well, now, we just can't stand here all day deciding. Open it when you get home, Lucy. Uh, goodbye, Miss Letty. Goodbye. Uh, Miss Hester. Goodbye. Uh, goodbye, Uncle Harry. Goodbye, Mr. Waddy. Goodbye. Lucy, I uh, hope you'll remember what we spoke about a little while ago. Oh, oh yes, of course I will. That's fine. Well, goodbye. Goodbye, Harry. Goodbye. A nice little fellow, that Uncle Harry. Thank you very much, Mr. Waddy. Temper, you, you... temper, Harry. Well, what right has that big blundering... You have to be sorry for him. Lucy's idea of a husband is a man who spends half his time getting increases in salary and the other half kissing her and so forth. Yeah. I'm going into the kitchen to help Nona with the dishes. You coming, Letty? In a minute. You can talk to Harry later. Hester, I... No, no, you, you go along, Hester. I, I want to say something to Letty. Very well. But Harry, with only four hands between us, you know, I don't see what you have to talk about anyway. Oh. Hmm. Sometimes I think it's such a pity about Hester. Mm-hmm. She doesn't understand you the way I do. That's right. I suppose it's because she's older. We can't blame her. No, no, for heaven's sake, let's blame nobody. She doesn't know what it is to be together, like us. <laughs> yes, darling, isn't it wonderful? Well, we're pretty well off, Hester or no Hester. Father knew what he was doing when he left us just enough to stick together. Letty? Father was a great one for the family. Uh, Letty. What is it, darling? Uh, tell me, dear, what was in that package? Package? Yes, the, the, the one you give to Lucy. Oh! Oh, nothing important. I just gave her back her old letters. My... My letters? Well, Harry, dear, you won't want them anymore, will you? Will you, dear? No. No, why should I? It'll show her we're done with her for good, won't it? Unquestionably. You're cross with me, aren't you? Oh, please don't be cross with me. I couldn't bear it. It was nasty of me, I know. Horrid, but I knew you'd understand, and I just had to do it. Yeah. It's all right, isn't it, Harry? Yes. Yes, it's all right. Good. Letty, are you coming? In a minute! Well, hurry up, won't you? I have to cook when he needs something. No one needs help. Oh, it's... Stupid old dog. She treats it like an invalid. Well, it's too old and sick to be treated any other way. Be better off out of its misery. Oh, nonsense, Letty. It only... Uh, Letty? Hmm? You know, you know, perhaps you're right. Perhaps you're right at the... Of course I'm right. The animal does nothing but suffer and smell up the house. Of course, Esther would boil. Well, let her boil. You know, we could do it so... That she didn't even know a little huh? secret between just you and me, Lenny. That would be fun. Well, hardly fun. Well, it's better than letting it suffer. But how does one go about it? Well, I don't know. Poison, I guess. Hmm? Yes, poison will be the quickest, and Hester will never know. Chloroform? Oh, no, 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 not chloroform. He'll struggle too much with that. No, I think hydrocyanic acid what? will do it. What's that? Oh, something very quick. Same, same thing as prussic acid. Oh, w would it hurt? Oh, no. Over like that. Ooh. <laughs> uh, Letty, suppose you, you get some downtown tonight, hmm? Tonight? Well, it's no use prolonging it, dear. Once you decide to do a terrible thing like this, the best way is to get it over with before all sorts and doubts begin to trouble you, you know? Oh, very well. Uh, can 
Can you buy it just like that? Oh, no, 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 no. I tell you, you have to sign for it. Oh. You go to Ben. He's a friend of mine. And tell him what you need it for. And you have to sign my name. After all, he sings over at the Bluebell Tavern with Albert and me. Yes, Ben would give it to me. Yeah. I'll go right away. Then I won't have to help wash the dishes. <laughs> Sneak out, eh? <laughs> Serve her right. I'll just get my coat now. <laughs> Letty, are you coming? I'm going to the druggist. Harry is out of cough mixture. We just bought some. Well, he needs some more. You know he can't sleep without it. You're just trying to get out of doing this. Well, I'll help later. Leave some. Very well, I will. I'm going now, Harry. Yes. Harry, how yes. much shall I get? I tell you, just tell Ben what you wanted for. And uh, Letty, ask for a good, strong dose. Hmm? Oh, mm. very well. Mm. I shan't be long. <sighs> Running away like a spoiled child. Well, you know Letty's emotional. Uh, you know what the trouble is. She doesn't understand people like you and me, Harry. Yeah. Yes, I suppose you're quite right, Esther. You're quite well. Guess I'll be going now. Going? Yes, to the Bluebell Tavern. It's Wednesday. Oh, I wish you wouldn't go to that place. Besides, it's pouring out. Yes, I know. I'm not keen about going myself. I'll tell you the truth, but the boys need somebody to, to sing with them. I can't let them down. Harry. Yes? When are you going to stop being a little martyr to everyone? <laughs> soon. Very soon now, Hester. No one gives a decent person a thank you for everything you do. That's right, Hester. That, you know, sometimes I think you've got to be a real devil to make people esteem you. Now, what are you looking at me like that for? Mm, nothing. Just taking a good look at you. You're such a big, live woman. Don't be a fool, Harry. <laughs> and what in heaven's name is there to laugh at? Uh, when the rain rains and the goose winks, little knows the gosling what the goose thinks. Good night, Hester. Americanizing again. Oh, I can't help it, Uncle Larry. It comes over me, not <laughs> Well, if you want to sing in this trio, you've got to sing Canadian and God save the king. That's right. <laughs> hey, let's all have another ale. All around, gentlemen. <laughs> Make mine a scotch, Albert, will you? A double. Oh, oh, listen to him, will you, Ben? He feels happy tonight, Uncle Larry, does he? Uh, what's the occasion, Uncle Harry? Uh, not happy, but <laughs> I, I certainly would like to be happy, Ben. <laughs> well, who wouldn't? Now, look, I'm a big, jolly man, and I own this here tavern. But I ain't as jolly as some think. Blessed are the meek, they say. Is that so? Oh, oh, you look at Uncle Larry here. He's meek, but where's it got him? Now, if you were so meek to your sister... No, 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 Ben, let him talk. Let him talk. Well, you take luck tonight. The way Uncle Larry slunk in here, I could tell right off them two had an argument. Right, Uncle Larry? Well, a slight disagreement. There you are. Uncle Harry is a great moral lesson, does Albert? 
We all ought to be gentle and kind like him. We aren't, and we don't want to be, but we ought to be. Thank you, gentlemen, but you really exaggerate. It's just that it's just that Letty and Hester are too fond of me. I suppose Letty shouldn't have said what she did. Oh, what did she say? Well, she said this afternoon that one of them was enough to look after me. Now, you see, that hurts Hester. She that... really said that? Mm-hmm. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> I hope she isn't planning to play Lucretia Borgia. Uh, what does that mean? What? Well, Letty was in my drugstore only this evening, buying some poison. She what? Well, didn't you know? She signed your name. Signed my name? What in the world did she get? Prussic acid. Prussic acid? Oh. <laughs> I suppose she wanted to clean some clothes or something. Eh? <laughs> That's a good one. One whiff of that stuff and... Oh, as deadly as all that, huh? The best you can say for it is that it's quick. It may pinch him a bit at first, but old Weary Willie won't suffer long. Weary Willie, wait a minute. Wait a minute. We, we're, you mean my dog? Well, I thought you knew about it. What? She said something ran out of his ears all the time. But that's all wrong, Ben. That's all wrong. What? I, I, I'm... Nothing. You're sure she knows what she's doing? I suppose so. She might have told me, though. Well, that's the sad part about dogs. They die. Say, Ben, what does this stuff do to humans? Plenty. Prussic acid unites with the hemoglobin in the blood to the exclusion of the oxygen. I, that's bad, eh? Causes suffocation. Oh. I saw a case of prussic acid poisoning once, and it wasn't nice. A human case? It had been human. Oh. Oh, well, now, here, that's enough of this. I didn't come here to talk business. Let's have another ale and sing out. I, I'm awfully sorry, gentlemen. I don't think I, I'll sing any more tonight. Oh, but Uncle Harry, it's only nine o'clock. Yes, and we need somebody to I'm sing so, with us. I'm sorry, Albert. I don't feel very well tonight. Must be the, the whiskey, maybe. You and Albert carry on alone, Ben. Well, Uncle Harry, if you aren't feeling well... Yes, oh. uh, good night, gentlemen. Oh, good, good night, night Uncle Harry. Uh, ben, hmm? what sort of stuff did you say Letty got? Prussic acid. Prussic And it kills dogs. It kills anything. Hmm. Thank you. Good night, gentlemen. Well, now. You know, Albert, I wouldn't be surprised if Letty Quincy was going to kill that dog behind the poor chap's back. He didn't seem to know much about it. Well, he never knows much about anything those two are up to. You should have seen Sister Letty buying this stuff. Sly as if she had murder up her sleeve. Wouldn't even talk to my partner. Nothing would do, but she had to see me personally. Well, I wonder I wonder why he left early. Oh, too much whiskey, maybe. Oh, now, whiskey has its faults, Ben, but one thing it don't do is to make a man go home early. Eh? <laughs> <laughs> Lady. Where have you been? Down at the Bluebell. Didn't Hester tell you? Oh, she hasn't said a word to me all evening. Oh? I've been sitting here reading and worrying about you. I could strangle What's her. What's the matter now? Oh, she found a broken teacup, the second best set. She thinks I did it just to spite her. <laughs> did you? Of course not. Let me help you off with your coat. Thank you, darling. Yeah. Uh... Well, where's Madame now? Upstairs in a room. Mm -hmm. In bed? She's sitting there in the dark in one of her moves again. She feels like a martyr because I didn't help her with the dishes. I wouldn't be surprised if she broke that teacup herself. Say, Letty. Hmm? Did you uh, get that stuff? Yes, I did, with much trouble. Oh? 
Ben wouldn't give it to me at first. Finally, I told him that you, what you wanted it for, and he said he supposed you knew what you were about. <laughs> Isn't that just like Ben? Cautious. <laughs> Where is it, Letty? Here. Ben said there was enough to settle a whole kennel in that bottle. Hmm. Such a little thing to cause so much pain. Hmm. Uh, I tell you, Letty, you better put it out of the way until we get a chance to well, do this. Well, I thought tonight. Well, I don't know. I don't know. Better hide it for the time being. I shouldn't like Hester to see it, and <laughs> Nona might use it for a cough. Oh. I tell you, put it, uh, yeah, put it in that jar over there with the matches. I'm the only one who uses it. Hmm? And, Letty, hmm? perhaps you'd better write something on the wrapper. Well, it already says poison. Well, people don't read print. You know that here. Here, take oh. this pencil and write danger on it. Don't touch. Oh, very well. Danger. Don't touch. Yeah. Can't yeah. be too careful in these matters. <laughs> oh, what have you been reading? Wordsworth. I find him terribly childish. <laughs> terribly childish, my dear. Only children and wise old men understand Wordsworth. May I, may I see that book for a moment? Thank you. Uh-huh. No motion has she now, no force. She neither hears nor sees. Roll round in earth's diurnal course with rocks and stones and trees. There is simple majesty for you, Letty. Isn't he just saying that a girl is dead? Yes, yes, but still part of the living world. I can't see that does her much good. <laughs> What are you going to read to me tonight? We'll see, darling. We'll see. We must calm Madame Hester down first. She's really cross because you preferred my pie to her cake. <laughs> and there's a matter of broken teacup, too. Oh, there's no... Oh, hello, Nona. Uh, good evening, Mr. Harry. Well, how's your fiancé tonight? Hubert was depressed. He's always depressed when it rains. Then <laughs> mm. we stood in the arcade in the pouring rain, and I said, Hubert, what's the use? Kissing or no kissing. That's why I'm home early. I've told you you may bring Hubert in the kitchen when it rains. He doesn't like it. Says you come in too often. Oh, it him. Oh, you should be a little more charitable, Nona. Now, Letty here likes a little excitement, too. Nona, did you see me break a cup? What cup? There, there. You see, I'm going up and... No, 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 don't quarrel with her, Letty. I'm not going to quarrel, just to tell her. Uh. Well, what's the trouble now? Oh, I don't know, Nona. Some small disturbance. Not again. Don't criticize, Nora. None of us is perfect. I don't know how you stand it, Mr. Harry. Well, I manage. Oh, uh, Nona, would you be kind enough to reach me a match from that jar over there? Thank you, Nona. Yeah, here you are. Well, what's this? A package with writing. Danger, don't touch. Danger? <laughs> it must be a joke or something. Shall I open it? No, no, no. I'll look into it. Well, that'll be best, Mr. Harry. Even dynamite would be safe with you. Yeah, that's Miss Letty's writing. Well, we'll have, have to ask her what it is, eh? The sooner the better. I don't mind the danger part. It's the don't touch that bothers me. <laughs> Put it back. Here comes Miss Letty. Hester decided to come down. Nona. Yes, Miss Letty? Did I just see you looking inside that match jar? What if I did? I don't like you prying. I've been in this house 30 years, and I've been in the matchbox before. Leave it alone. I don't see why you snap it's at it. It's none of your business. No, 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 no. Ladies, ladies, love, please. Let's all have a oh. cup of hot cocoa to settle our nerves, eh? How about you, Letty? Very well. And you, Hester? 
I suppose if the head of the house here is having some, I should. I am not the head of the house, no, and you no, know it. Well, you certainly are. All I ask is... All right, that's, that's, that's enough. That's enough. Letty, Letty, Letty. That's enough. <laughs> really, really, you two, you're going to be... You're going to become the laughing stock of the whole town if you continue this way, believe me. No, now, now, will you be kind enough and fix the cocoa, please? Yes, Mr. Harris. Thank you, dear. So, now let's all be friends, and tomorrow I shall try to match that broken cup, Hester. Why bother? We have two dozen. Oh, have two we dozen. never needed Hester. a dozen people in the house. That is not the point. Uh, the set is supposed to have 24. Uh, uh, Besides, it was my mother's child. I like that. It isn't enough you've tried to have exclusive claim to Harry. Now, mother is yours. If you'd come and told me that you broke it instead of sneaking out... I think I'll break it. How would you feel if I were to break this little china dog? You, you tried to... Put that down. Please. Suppose I just smashed Harry gave me that for Christmas. I'll put it down. Please. Your hand on it. Oh, you put it down. Oh, you... You haven't done it. I need your ready. All right, all right. Thank you, Nona. Just put it down over there and then leave us, please, will you? Yes, Mr. Harry. I must say, this house don't lack for excitement of a sort. Now, please come now, both of you. I'm going upstairs. Esther, now you wait a minute. Not another word. I'm going back to my room. Uh, oh. oh, there, there, there. Oh, I hate her. I hate her. But she's a child, Letty. You mustn't treat her otherwise. She's a vicious, bad-tempered old woman. Well, I... She's stuck. I managed to get along oh, with her. Oh, she doesn't hate you. You're the world to her, and that's why she takes it out on me. Oh, I understand. Letty, darling, <laughs> love is just as painful as hate sometimes. Look, after all, it was love that kept me here when I could have married Lucy. But I did that, too. Yes. Yes, you were even more opposed to Lucy than Hester was, weren't you? Oh, and you really wanted to marry her as much as all that. You know that. Oh, poor Harry. Yeah. Poor Uncle Harry. I get the sympathy, all right. There's no denying that. <laughs> now, look, if you really feel sorry for me, you'll, you'll make peace with Hester and let me have a little quiet around There'll here. There'll never be any peace with her. Well, I would know. I would apologize if that's what you All mean. I ask is that you act a little kindly. It'll make you a much bigger person than she is. Well, what do you want me to do? Now, look, darling. She hasn't had her cocoa yet now. If you will take it up to I'll her... I'll do such thing. All right, here, give it to me. I will. No, you shall go up to her. I'll take it. Oh, good, good. You are a more generous person, Letty. <laughs> do you really think so? Of course, darling. I'll pour it. No, never mind. I'll pour it. I'll tell you, you get some sugar from the kitchen. She likes it sweet. Oh, she likes it sweet. Very well. Oh. <laughs> And now, a little drop of comfort for dear Hester. So, and back in the match jar. So. Oh. Here's the sugar. Good, good. good. Would you give her a few spoonful, please? Uh, one, two. Dad, put another one. She likes it sweet. <laughs> Very well. There, that's fine. And now, like a good girl, you take it up to her. I will, but I won't count out. You won't have to, Letty. Look, you should do this with forgiveness in your heart. Oh, I'm a Christian, I hope. But I'm a Christian within decent limits. <laughs> now, make sure she drinks it. She'll drink it if I have to pour it down her throat after all the trouble I'm going to. Letty? Yes? Letty, if it was just you and me and there was no Hester... We'd be happier. And suppose I wanted to get married, what would you say? What would become of me? Yeah. Yes, that's what I thought you'd say. 
What else could I say? Nothing. Go on, dear. Take the cocoa up to her now. Nona? Nona! Yes, Mr. Harris? Come in. Would you care to join me in a cup of cocoa? Why, why yes. Thank you, Mr. Harris. Good. Sit down. Thank you. Have they gone to bed? Mm -hmm. Miss Hester has. Miss Letty just took a cup up to her. After all that quarrel? After all that quarrel. <laughs> In fact, she seemed quite anxious to do it. Well, that's hard to believe. No, really, really. You must have used your blinding. Not at all. Well, the wonders never cease. Yeah. Oh, uh, uh, by the way, Nona, I think you'd better put that little package back. Package? Yes, the, the little one from, from, from the match jar. Uh, but I didn't take it, Mr. Harry. What? Uh, Miss Letty saw me putting it back. Oh, really? That's strange. I just went over there for a match to light my pipe, and it's gone. Well, she probably hid it somewhere else. Well, I have to ask you when she comes down. All right, Nona. Here's to us. What a glorious fuss we can make by just living, eh? <laughs> that you, Letty? Yes. Well, did she drink it? No. What? She said she'd wait until she's finished the story she's reading. Well, it'll get cold. But she likes it cold. Shall we have ours now? Yes, darling, we've earned it. I shall sit next to you. <laughs> yes. Oh, this is so cozy and peaceful. Would you read to me, Harry? Certainly. I tell you, princess, let's find something appropriate for her. I'll never humiliate myself again by giving in to her like mm. that. You won't have to. Imagine her lying up there now, triumphant. Imagine her reaching for her cup of cocoa victoriously because you brought it to her. Harry, you're acting very strangely. Am I? No. Now, let's see. What shall I read? Uh-huh. Here's something very appropriate. The funeral dirge from Shakespeare's Cymbeline. <clears throat> Fear no more the lightning flash, nor the dreaded thunderstorm. Fear not slander, censure rash. Thou hast finished. Ah! That's Hester. No need to hurry. She's ill. She, she may need me. She needs nothing anymore. How can you stand there like that? Hester is dead. What? You, what? you see this? The poison. Oh, Harry. Harry, you didn't use it. You didn't. You, Coco, you gave oh, her. Oh, Harry. Harry, you murdered her. He was never any use. You'll be hanged. I don't think I'll be hanged. Harry. Harry, what are you saying? Harry, where are you going? Upstairs, just to look at her. Oh, I don't believe it. Coming. Oh, Mr. Harry. Miss Betty. Oh, she's dead. I saw her on the floor. No, no. No, no. Are you sure she's dead? Oh, I won't ever forget her face. Not ever. That took her off, and you can't tell me it was. Oh. And it was that poison. Oh. That poison Miss Letty was trying to hide from. No, no. No, no, you're insane. I'll tell them. Don't think I won't tell them. No, no, I, I didn't kill her. I swear to you, I didn't kill her. Don't lie. It's worse. Tell her, for God's sake, tell her what happened. I didn't... Uh, I'm afraid she's right, Letty. You see, Letty, the way it is. <laughs> In a moment, we will return with Act Two of Uncle Harry on Best Plays. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company.
return to the Best Plays production of Uncle Harry, starring Joseph Schildkraut and Agnes Moorhead. And here again is John Chapman. As we return to this absorbing drama, we move now into a courtroom where a murder trial is in progress. The trial seems to be another work of art on the part of Uncle Harry. The defendant is Letty Quincy. The judge has taken his chair, and the play continues. Order! Order! Ladies and gentlemen of the jury, you have heard the evidence presented by the Crown and the defense. A question before you is whether or not Miss Letty Quincy is guilty of the willful murder of her sister, Miss Hester Quincy. You will now retire to deliberate on a verdict. <laughs> Ben, jury returned yet? Not yet. Just came over for a quick glass of ale. Not much doubt about the verdict, though. Bet you the price of your ale, they'll say she's guilty. Oh, you catch me throwing away me profits. <laughs> oh, I bet you they'll take more than an hour, though. You've got to give them time to have a cup of tea and make it look like they was arguing. You're on. They won't be another ten minutes. Yeah. Bad business, ain't any woman. You know, she hadn't tried to put the blame on Uncle Larry. I'd be sorry for her. How did it feel up there on the witness stand, Ben? Uh, how did I do? Oh, you spoke up right smart. When, when you told how guilty she looked when she bought the stuff from her. Well, I wanted to help poor Uncle Harry as much as I could. Well, he didn't need no help. Every time he tried to help his sister, he put his foot in it worse. Like when he said she tried to be nice to Esther, and the maid telling right after as how they was arguing with slapping and everything. Now, I tell you... Here he comes. Well, how are you, old man? You, uh, managing all right, Uncle Larry? Thank you. I'm well, gentlemen. Very well. Have they brought in the verdict? Yes. I'm afraid they have. Oh. What was it? Guilty. Guilty of murder. <laughs> Shall I set it? Over there on the table, Nona. Thank you. Will that be all? Yes, my dear. Thank you. Mr. Harry. Yes? When... When is the... The hanging. Soon, I'm afraid, Nona. It's two weeks since the trial. Seems like months. Yes. Oh, that must be Lucy. Would you kindly let her in, Nona? Yes, Mr. Harry. And then I'd like to be left alone with her, please. Yes, Mr. Thank you, Nona. Hello, Harry. Lucy, you came after all. Yes. I got your message. How dreadful for you, Harry. I can stand it. I think you were splendid, Harry. Just splendid. Thank you. That moment in the witness box when you said that if there were any justice, you should be in the dock and not Letty. Well, it, it was the most touching thing I've ever seen. Thank you, my dear. May I pour you some tea? Thank you. I hope you don't blame me for testifying against Letty. I couldn't do anything else, you know. No, indeed, you couldn't. 
But I wanted you to know, Harry, that I'm with you in your trouble as much as anyone can. Thank you, my dear. Thank you. You don't know how very happy that makes me. It gives one such an inadequate feeling, a, a disaster like this. Yes. There's so little one can say. Mm -hmm. But there is one thing. Yes? You can lead your own life now. Exactly, Lucy. Exactly, my dear. You never said a truer word. Not that I'd breathe a word against those poor women. But you're free now. Yes. And you're still young. Yes, Lucy. What a strange business life is, Lucy, isn't it? You go on for years and years and nothing happens. And all of a sudden, bang. Your old life is gone and there's a new one coming up for you. You know, Lucy, once a long time ago, I got up at dawn. And before breakfast, I was on a train a hundred miles away. And I thought of my old self lying in bed at home doing nothing. And I could always be doing this and catching a train for somewhere new, somewhere exciting. And now it can be like that for both of us. I... I need you so, Lucy. You know you can depend on me, Harry. Thank you. Thank you, darling. Oh, uh, <clears throat> Lucy, before you go, uh, what are we going to do about George? George? Yes. Well, what difference can it possibly make to George? Well, well I don't know. It just seemed that they was pretty fond of you, you know. <laughs> well, of course he's fond of me. Oh, I see. Yes. Well, well, we'll just have to make him understand, don't we? Understand what? Well, that you belong to me, darling. Harry, oh, yes, I... I beg your pardon. I didn't mean to interrupt you. It's a little too early to talk about it. I know, Lucy, but I just can't bear the thought of him seeing you now, Lucy, and... and kissing you whenever he wants oh, to. Oh, you poor man. No. Oh, no, Lucy. I'm not a poor man. Not anymore. You're upset, Harry. This tragedy. But it isn't a tragedy, Lucy. I, I'm free now. Now, you said so yourself. Lucy, darling, remember that afternoon when you came to tea with us and I asked you then, would you marry me if it weren't for Hester and Letty? Now, do you remember what you said? No, I don't. Ah. Ah, Lucy, you said that Uncle Harry is a leading question. Well, there's only one answer to a leading question. Yes. Yes. Lucy, I... I depended on that. Oh, you were terribly mistaken, Harry. Really mistaken? Why, yes. I always intended to marry George. I still do. Oh, no. Oh, no, Lucy. Oh, it's quite final, Lucy, Harry. Lucy, what I've done for you... What have you done for me? What have I... What... So George is between us now. Well, it would be the same George or no George. Well, there's nothing to stop us. Oh, yes, yes, there is. What? Well, Lucy, what in heaven's name? Murder. Murder? Haven't you ever heard that it isn't the person who gets hanged that suffers most? It's his family. Yeah, I, I see. You mean the grief? No. The disgrace. Disgrace? They have to live with the murder. But it isn't my fault if Letty goes and murders... It doesn't matter whose fault it is. How can you even think of marriage now? What? Well, if any woman were mad enough or selfish enough to do it, think of her children, uh, stared at, talked about. Oh, it wouldn't be fair to them. That's a cruel way to look at it. No, not cruel. Just the ordinary way. Oh? And I'm afraid I'm a very ordinary person, Uncle Harry. I think I'd better leave now. There's nothing else to say. Lucy, Lucy, cut. Can't I see you again? No. Lucy, please. Please stay with me. Don't, don't, don't leave me alone. It's no use, Harry. Goodbye. Lucy. Lucy, please. Lucy. Lucy. Useless. Useless. So it was all useless, Uncle Harry. <laughs> Thank you.
Come in. How do you do? Are you the warden? Yes. My name is Harry Quincy. My sister is to be executed tomorrow. Oh, I assume you wish to see your sister. She's being brought here now. That can wait, Mr. Warden. I wish particularly to see you, sir. Well, anything I can do to comfort her, of course. It will not be necessary to comfort her. Would you oblige me, sir, by reading this statement here that I've prepared? Statement? Yes. Well, well it's, it's a bit irregular. Please, sir, please. Very well. Thank you. Following is a transcript of a conversation which took place between my sister Letty and myself in the moments following the murder of Hester Quincy. Letty, that's Hester. Myself, you needn't hurry. Letty, she's ill. She may need... Myself, she needs nothing anymore. Letty, what do you mean? Myself, she's dead. Hmm, extraordinary. If you kindly read further, sir, you will see that it was I who murdered Hester Quincy. I entangled my sister Letty in a net of evidence which my own reputation made it impossible for her to untangle. Astonishing. Why, why are you doing this? Well, there's no point in Letty dying anymore. There's no point in me living. Uh, how long will it be before you can release her? Well, this is quite magnificent of you, Mr. Quincy. Oh, no, not at all. The only thing is it doesn't hold water. What? But I consider it a very noble gesture. Mr. Warden, I killed her. I've told you. Mr. Quincy, surely you don't expect the government to hang you on your mere assertion. We need proof. Yes, I know. I thought of it. There, there. You have it in your hands. Oh, sir. really, sir? Look, Mr. Warden, you have just read the conversation Letty and I had after Hester died. You know that it did not come out in the trial. You must also know that I have had no chance to see her alone. Now, if Letty remembers that conversation as she must, surely it's enough for a retrial, isn't it? Well, I suppose it's worth investigating, Mr. Quincy. Thank you, sir. I uh, hear you're very well liked. Hmm? Yeah, thank you. I always thought of the other fellow first and lost myself as a result. <laughs> Nobody knows me, really. Why should they? I hardly know myself. Your sister's refused to see you in the past. Why shouldn't she after what I've done to her, sir? And Letty never forgives a wrong. Very well, Mr. Quincy. Miss Corley, will you bring Letty Quincy in here? Hello, Letty. Hello, Letty. Sit down, Miss Quincy. Thank you. Uh, could I sit in the armchair by the fire, please? That one looks very comfortable. Of course. I'd almost forgotten what it was like to sit in an armchair. I was going to ask if I could have an armchair in my room tonight. It's true, isn't it, that you can ask for anything in reason on your last night? There's going to be no last night for you, Mr. Letty. Mr. Warden, I would prefer not to speak to this man. He's wicked, wicked beyond belief. Miss Quincy, uh, you maintained during the trial that your brother was responsible for the crime? Yes, I did. No one believed me. <laughs> they believe you now, Letty. Can't he let me be? Uh, one moment, Miss Quincy. Do you still say your brother is guilty? Yes. And you will be interested to know that he has confessed. What? I've told them that I did it, Letty. You're cleared. Oh. Uh, not quite cleared. Uh, there are some points... I wrote down our conversation after Hester was found. All you have to do, Letty, is to recall it and you're free. Not free, but it would create a reasonable Let doubt. Let me understand. You say you killed Hester? But I told you I... I just wanted to know. So you think you can free me now? That is up to you, Miss Quincy. Uh, Mr. Borden, could I... Could I speak to my brother alone? Yes, but... You may not discuss the transcript. You have my word. You have three minutes. Thank you. Very well. 
Well, Harry, what are you up to now? Just trying to save your life, It must be a bit dull for you at home these days. I read in the papers that Lucy married George Warday. Yes, she did. A fair-weather friend, I always said so. <laughs> well, well, well. Look, Letty, you're wasting time. Didn't get much for your trouble, eh? I don't care much, now. Oh, so that's why you're here. Can't live without her. Selfish, Harry. Selfish as ever. What? Do you suppose I don't see through you? It's just like your childish trick of giving away your toys when you'd broken them. And then you'd act so big and generous about it that everyone said what a fine little fellow you were. Now you've broken your life and you want to give that away. But it won't do, Harry. Not this time. You don't want to die, do you, In the last three weeks, I've died over and over again. Tomorrow won't matter. But imagine it. Imagine. If you live, you'll be lord of the manor. I thought of that. I thought of you as lord of the manor. You who are such a great one for company. But there isn't much company, is there, Harry? You walk down the street and people whisper and cross to the other side. You go home and there's the memory of me at the door to meet you. You sit in an empty room with only horror for company. Oh, no, I wouldn't be in your shoes for anything, Uncle Harry. You can't do this, Letty. You must tell the truth. You must. No. Letty. Letty, you've spoiled it. Everything for me, all my life. Don't spoil this, please. Please don't spoil this. Well, Mr. Quincy? She won't tell the truth, sir. I did it. I did it, and she says no. Of course he didn't do it. Who, then? You say I did it? Let it stand that way. Very well. You see, he's always been headstrong, Harry has. Once he even wanted to go to Paris to paint pictures. As if he couldn't paint all he wanted at home. Then he wanted to marry some perfectly ordinary girl. It was hard to make him see sense about it. And now, now he wants to die. If, uh, if that's all, Miss Quincy... That's all. Oh, I do hate to leave this fire. I was always like a cat about fire. You won't forget about the armchair, will you? You shall have it. I think you're a brave woman to refuse your brother's sacrifice. Thank you. You wouldn't care to say goodbye, Harry. Mr. Warden, Mr. Warden, you've got to delay it. She'll talk. I promise you will. I promise you. You see, if she dies, if she dies, I'll be all alone with what I've done. You see, Harry, the way it is. She said it. She said it. Mr. Warden, did you, did you hear those last words? Those other same words I said to her. You see, Letty, the way... Here. <laughs> that proves it. That proves it. Here, I, I, I'll find them for you in, in this transcript. Right here. Right here. Sir. This is the proof. I, uh, I, I'm sure I put these words down. Maybe I didn't think it important enough, but I did say them. I swear, Mr. Watson, I swear. Please. I did it. I did it. Letty! Letty. Come back. Come back. Can't I even have a say in my own life just for once? Let... Let... Don't you see? Don't you see what you've done to me? Hey, you, you'd better pull yourself together, Mr. Quincy. Uh, here, here, drink this. Yeah, that's better. Thank you. You'll be all right. Yes. Yes, Mr. Warden, I'll be all right. Huh? I'll be all... 
But I'll tell the whole world myself from now on. Everyone, everyone, and someday somebody will believe me. Someday I will be free of her yet. <laughs> they say murder will out, eh? But not my murder. Not Harry Quincy's murder. <laughs> I'm not good enough. Not even good enough for that. <laughs> and that was Joseph Shilkraut and Agnes Moorhead in the Best Plays radio adaptation of Uncle Harry. And don't forget to go and seek out the marvellous film adaptation, The Strange Affair of Uncle Harry. Well, that's all from me this week. Yes, I'll be back with you next week. If you want more reviews, then go on over and sign up at patreon.com slash attaboysecret or click the link in the show notes. There are over 50 bonus Attaboy Clarence shows ready for you right now. And one more will be joining them this week. For more information, listen on to the end of this show. Lovely to be back with you again, my friends. Thank you for your patience and thank you for returning. Until next week then, take awfully good care of yourselves. And bye for now. If you'd like to support this show, you can do so by going to www attaboyclarence.com and clicking on the Patreon banner. Pledges start from as little as $1 a month and in return you'll receive exclusive emails, bonus episodes, previews and e-books and every dollar pledged goes towards making these shows better and more frequent. Go to www.attaboyclarence.com or click the link in the show notes now to become a patron. Thank you. Spend less time staying in the know about all things gaming and more time actually watching and playing what you want with the IGN Daily Update Podcast. All you need is a few minutes to hear the latest from IGN on the world of video games, movies, and television with news, previews, and reviews. So listen and subscribe to the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts. That's the IGN Daily Update wherever you get your podcasts.